Good morning. Welcome to today's WGO podcast. Got a couple of things uh, to share. A couple of good things. Um, well, first and foremost, I just want to say that I am constantly having to remind myself about a very important thing, and I want to share it with you, and I want to make sure I instill this in my children, my kiddos. Um, and that's the word today. It's so easy to just say, oh, I'll do that later, or I'll do that tomorrow, or I'll do that next year, or I'll do that one day. And you just kick, 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 and then there's no nothing left to kick. Because you're kind of seduced every day into thinking that you're going to have tomorrow. You know, you think, you assume you're going to have tomorrow. It's like an illusion or something, an illusion. And, um, you know, the truth is, and it it sounds cliche, but tomorrow is not guaranteed. So if you're trying to accomplish something or do some work or or get something done, you need to do it today. Or or, at least make strides today. So with that being said, I just sent an email to a total stranger that I discovered last night. And I wanted to share the story of the process a little bit because, um, you know, as I've shared before, I'm really going through a little bit of a transitional period right now. Had an unexpected layoff earlier this this year, uh, COVID-related restructuring, they call it it. But, you know, long story short, I got kicked off the team. And circumstances were such with severance that I had some time to really kind of figure out, okay, what do you want to do next? And obviously what I really want to do is the WGO podcast. Um, I want to, to work, uh, to complete a few writing projects, uh, and spin up a, an education company, an education thing to not only continue to self-educate, and better understand things that I'm learning, but and, but also turn around and share them with others and, and use them as kind of a home base for homeschooling my children and then anybody else who wants to tap in and use this um, under the assumption that there's just so much, so much, and so much misinformation and so much just crap out there that's that there's a real service to be had there by cutting through and creating a base or a foundation or a resource that people can trust and that people can participate in and that people can run fast with. So, you know, there's, there's these several different things. And, you know, I, the, the, the thing that's really unfortunate here lately that I'm trying to work through, and it's been tough, is how do I make a living doing this? Because you do have to monetize. It's not about getting rich or doing a bunch of sales so much. I mean, that's always nice, but I have a real problem with I need to survive right now. I mean, I need to be able to do this and have support such that I can do this with all my time and not get pulled into another um, job situation where I'm literally trading all my time and energy for a paycheck. I need to make these projects work to create the paycheck. And it's not easy. There's a lot of people out doing 
art and soliciting Patreon right now. You know, for example, I've asked for support on this through Patreon. And, you know, it's just, it takes a long time to build those things up. And you have to create a high level of value to even really have the right to ask people to, to support it, right? You have to do good art. Make great art. So, anyway, it's these initiatives. The, the WGO podcast, uh, a fantasy project that, that sits behind the WGO podcast and the humanomics effort that's baked into that um, is uh, something I loosely call Reset. And Reset um, has a stated mission to try and create what I call the $10 an hour lifestyle, shaving a zero off of uh, the basket of goods and services that constitute the American middle class lifestyle, um, thus lowering tensions, economic tensions, lowering friction, uh, you know, lowering the stress of society and ideally um, creating the bandwidth so that we can collectively start not only learning more and bringing our baseline, you know, bringing our, our intelligence up so that we can understand things, understand the world better, but also have bandwidth and the mental capacity to take on bigger challenges that are coming that we face as a species and as a planet. Uh, and then the uh, yeah, because it kind of goes on as derivatives from there, right? Uh, the education was born of being frustrated with the process of just sitting and hanging out in the school and your kid's miserable. You know, when you see their kid that's miserable, they're going in and hanging out in this building all day and they're really not getting anything really that valuable out of it. They're learning bad habits, actually, and being exposed to very distracting things that can be very destructive. So that's where relevant comes from. It's like, I, not only do I learn to love to learn, but I want to make sure I turn around and understand it myself and then share that and then have my kids help me participate in that, in that, so that they can um, understand, make sure they've got it. And you know, obviously, you know, if there's enough churning in this field, you get these gems over time. From from, very, from you never know where they're going to come from. Somebody who really just nailed it, like really explained it great, and did it in such a way that it was fun and digestible. So, the tricky part is making a living doing this stuff. That's the hard part because you got you do have to monetize. Now, getting back to this random stranger that I emailed this morning. So, I was doing research for the humanomics book. Again, humanomics book for those that don't know or are just listening to the podcast. Humanomics was it's a theory that at human scales there is no scarcity of raw materials, so that we can scale up the baseline American middle class lifestyle for all of humanity easily. And we can scale it up in such a way that it can support a uh, assumed steady state population of about 10 billion eventually. And uh, I say steady state because if you have the American middle class lifestyle for all worldwide with all of its baked in assumptions like free flowing internet, no, no filtering by the state or by government or by tyranny. Um, the free flow of ideas globally and everybody has this baseline material comfort, material wealth. Um, 
then you have a situation where there's, uh, you know, the world has a real, a real chance at being stable, more stable, more enjoyable, more fun, more happy. Um, and you create bandwidth for people. And you also cut the bullshit out of the society such that, uh, you know, some people may choose to, to, to do, you know, have to do things like rest or do nothing. And that would be okay because things are kind of covered. At a baseline, everybody's kind of covered. And yeah, I think if you couple the humanomics project with a campaign to kind of cut the bullshit with the education things, you know, again, I'm calling that relevant education, but um, if, if you've got a society of people that aren't so desperate economically worldwide, and they're not, and they're, and they are can tap into something that's not disinformation and not voluminous ranting and raving. It's just kind of cut to the point. I think all of a sudden you get to a world where humanity has their heads around what we know, what we don't know, has a perspective, a certain again, certain baseline perspective that's rooted in science, uh, that's rooted in humility. Because, like right now, I'm, I'm listening to. Uh, the teaching company had those great courses, have these you know things on Audible that I subscribe to. Um, and I bought the one, uh, I don't remember, the Michael Weisenstein, I think. I don't remember, I'll get his name right, but he wrote, he, he did a class called How the Earth Works. And the humility comes in with like, as he's telling the story of how, you know, the universe maybe created the matter that then formed solar systems and formed planets and then he gets into, he's in the rock cycle now. Um, but it's clear to me, like, he can present very clearly, very well done, what scientists think they know now, right? But they don't really always ever really absolutely know. It's just theories with based on evidence that you can test. That's what I'm saying, the humil humility. But um, long story short, I think that humans can get, a base, can get to a baseline wealth to where people feel materially, uh, feel comfortable, and you'll see that the stress levels will come down, the mental health, the physical health will go up as a result of just less stress, less bullshit, more rest, a lot more rest. And humans, you know, the, the chunk of humanity that likes to work will then have this bandwidth in the kind of forest cleared to take on new challenges. Like, do we need more exotic technology for, for raw materials, for example, or food production, or water purification, or whatever. Uh, do we need to go to space? Or do we want to go to space now? Um, and if so, how do we want to do it? Do we want to go where you come back? You know, or do you want to go and you stay out, you know, and go and just go to wherever? So, the band, you get there, you get to, you get to the, um, better reality for humans on a really you know found foundational level and you also have the bandwidth for more for the more creative or the ones that are still digging or trying to learn right and the idea is with society again if you cut the bullshit out and i gotta keep saying the bullshit i know that's offensive word for some people but uh there's so much bullshit that people feel guilty about taking a fucking nap or not or not doing or doing nothing. You know, like literally just taking hikes and being out in nature, or, or you know, just breathing the air. And 
you know, that is, if you step back from the, huma the, the human rat race, the economic demands that we all have, that, what's wrong with that? I mean, you're, you're part and parcel of the planet, and that's what a blade of grass does. And, and I, I've joked before that, you know, this guy comes out last week to me at the park with a, with a religious T-shirt on. He had a giant cross with a lion sitting on it, and I'm thinking to myself, Okay, this guy, you know, he, we talked for a little while, and he basically says everything's God and Bible, right? And for me, uh, no, it's no, it's not that easy. Uh, you could, I guess, you could say that consciousness and the, the unknowable could be. You could use the word God there, and I'm, I guess I, that works for me. But the lion, see, these guys are all about status quo economically, they don't, they don't see anything wrong with things economically, they expect, they have, they have disdain, they have a problem with people that don't want to do the, the economic game. And I'm looking at that lion on a shirt thinking, now, wait a minute, a lion in nature, who we, we, we revere, revere the creature as like the, 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 one of the pinnacles of the animal kingdom. If you watch a lion, all it does is walk around, take naps, sleep, have sex, and then hunt and eat some food and then take another nap. I mean, that's what it, that's what it fucking does. <laughs> it, it doesn't wake up at four in the morning so it can work out, so it can look and feel good, so that it can then go to an office and do a thing for a thing for a thing so it can earn a paycheck and then earn the capital owners or the, or the owner of the business even more of a bigger paycheck. And then rush off to lunch at fucking Panera or something and then what you know that's not what a lion does a lion fucking cruises around gets some food chills out has some sex chills out sleeps chills out enjoy puts his face in the breeze so what, what I'm just saying is I, that, that's not how I'm wired I, I have a lot of energy right I like to work I like to do stuff and the piddlers of the of the world in a world of less bullshit, less economic demands, uh, more clarity on the event horizons of human knowledge via science and technology fields. If you kind of get humans to this baseline where, they're, where we're all kind of sitting at the event horizon, we all understand where science is, we all understand where technology is and its capabilities today, then, then we have the bandwidth to be squirrely and go do, okay, well, that doesn't work so great, let's go work on that, or we need to do that for everybody, or, you know, like for example, the wildfires I said this summer in California, put the damn fires out, you know? Somebody work on getting some of the water out of the ocean, desalinating it, treating it to, to so it's not destructive to spray it on the fire, and spray the shit on the fire. Don't, don't try to do it the backward way of like getting up in arms about climate change and this and that and zoning and not a lot of people cutting trees down or whatever the, whatever's really feeding into the nonsense now. Just put the fucking fire out. You know, it's a, it's a hot, arid climate out there. I mean, when I was in Idaho, it's fucking high desert. So it gets dry. When it gets dry, a lot of things can light it on fire. Just put the fucking fire out. It's very frustrating. So the bandwidth and the baseline need to be there so people can actually think clearly about what the next thing needs to be or they want it to be. And if you do it globally, if you think of humanity, if you factor in humanity and budget for humanity, then you really do get to the world peace. That sounds so cliche, but I think it's well within our grasp today. 
like right now. So I reached out to this gentleman because I, what, I, I found him in a roundabout the strangest way. And I hope to have him as a guest on the podcast. I just emailed him for that too. Um, anyway, he made this tool called Swing Trade Bot, I think is the name. And it's one of many pieces of technology he's written over, it looks like since the mid-90s he's been in the tech industry. And um, this thing aggregates and presents you know, stock stuff and market stuff. And I stumbled on it, really. I was looking for, I was trying to get, I picked lumber recently, uh, randomly, and I was just trying to get my arms around, what is the current lumber market? What, how much is produced? I wasn't even looking at prices at first. That's how I discovered the stock bot, though. So I'm looking for information about the lumber market. And my thought process was I'm going to take the basket of goods that I know involved in, in the construction industry, and I want to figure out where we're at and what we would need in terms of supply to create, you know, the American middle-class lifestyle for humanity. That was my goal. Just kind of get these numbers together, start quantifying Well, I unexpectedly stumbled on Michael's program. And really all I did was with lumber, when I drilled on and clicked on this thing, as I saw this price spike, huge price spike right now in the lumber market. And I was like, well, what the hell? What is this? So I kind of pulled out the historical chart, and sure enough, it's very noticeable spike. And in recent times, it's the highest it's been. So I was like, well, what the hell is this all about? And I started trying to dig around, why is the price so high? What's going on? And what I found was it was cited as COVID. And then when there were shutdowns, the lumber market became constrained and the price has gone through the roof and you can't actually get lumber. So I've noticed a few other things on the internet that said people couldn't get lumber for projects, pressure-treated lumber for projects, stuff like that. So, I was like, huh, well, that's interesting. I hadn't considered that. So, some of you may be nodding your head right now. Some of you may be like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, COVID, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you talking about, Jerry? What's, what's the point? My point is, I think I've uncovered yet another just-in-time uh, constrained productivity industry where you have just enough capacity to blast out what the market needs at a certain trend line. So in other words, if America builds, I'm just throwing out a random number, I don't know the actual, if they build a million houses a year, give or take, you know, give or take 200,000 units, so it fluctuates in this little band, then the lumber demand for that level, that steady state, is X, you know, whatever's X lumber. And the suppliers of that, the capital groups and the companies involved in that business and the rail traffic and the whole nine, is already dialed in at those settings. So when you have a disruption in any piece of that due to COVID or any other unexpected thing, 
it could be energy, it could be a rail, you know, a network issue, it could be something. Then you very quickly become, have a supply problem, so the price goes up. Oh, I gotta take this call. All right, I'm back again. I got cut short with a call, so I got interrupted. But so what we're saying is, if you had, uh, you know, a trend line with the housing starts on it, and the 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 raw materials such as lumber that go into it also fit along a certain trend line, and then all of a sudden something comes along to disrupt the trend, such as this year's COVID, where people were not working, so the factories weren't producing lumber, you have an immediate supply issue when things start to return to normal, um, and there's unexpected shocks, like one of the things cited was people were doing home projects because they were stuck at home. So they were doing projects at home, and all of a sudden people can't get lumber. I've noticed the same thing, by the way, uh, in, in, without autos. And I didn't really fully dive the reasons, but I'm sure it's exactly the same phenomenon. They, there was a disruption. In fact, the lady at GM told me they diverted some of the manufacturing capability to making um, respirators which I, did not, I had not heard that one before. I heard that from a GM person last week. I haven't vetted it, but um, anyway, now you've got lots where I really, they, they, if you drive by them, the new cars are in short supply across many different manufacturers. And uh, they just line the front with like the kind of the stuff to make it look like it's full. But if you look and go into the lot, there's not a lot of inventory. So what I'm getting at is there's, there's vested interest capital groups that are invested in the status quo. And the status quo is pretty much just in time, it seems. And we can test this theory or look for this trend across several different industries later with prices, but the prices in the markets are the signals, you know, that kind of the barometers. <clears throat> but the uh, just in time getting shocked creates huge spikes in uh, prices short term and also uh, availability and supply problem where you can't get stuff or the shelves are bare, so to speak. And America has pretty much all gotten to a point where it's just in time. There's not a lot of inventory, there's not a lot of fluff, there's not a lot of extra capacity. And through, through lobbying efforts, this is where I have a real problem with big government, and, and, and you should too, is there's a game that gets rigged to where you can't just put extra capacity online very easily, either through permits or NIMBY, you know, people not want things in their backyard, or you know, any number of things, environmental review boards, environmental impact studies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that, that expanding capacity is mired in endless red tape and bureaucracy and expense. So it's not so easy. You're not just going to spin up more fuel. You're not going to spin up more uh, you know, paint or more wood, lumber, or more metal. It's not so easy. So, but if we're proposing that we need natural resource supply, we need a supply chain that can support the American middle-class lifestyle for humanity, then obviously all of these need to be scaled up. Um, and then you get into, well, now you're putting deflationary pre pressure on basically the status quo. You know, everything that's out there now, the houses, all the stock of things, the price goes down. Well, yeah, it would. Now you've got some actual competition out there. You've got things the right size to where if humans work, they get a wage and they maybe get some, some uh, universal basic income or some other type of support to where spending 
at you know non-inflationary or deflationary prices is easy, and there's lots of savings sloshing around the system, and that's where I need help or work building the models to show the effect of these different things. Like if you dramatically increase the supply of raw materials across all sectors so that you can easily have the basket of goods and services for all of humanity at the equivalent of the American middle class lifestyle level with all of its built-in freedoms. What effect does that have on the status quo? Meaning all of the stuff that's already here, all the plants, all the sunk costs, all the houses, all the mortgages, all that stuff. And I think if it's modeled correctly, it shows that yes, things change, but whoever's invested in now doesn't have to lose, they just have to pivot and go a different direction with it. So, and again, people will say that there's just not enough room in the world, but that's not true. If you look at a map in the Western Hemisphere, large chunks of North and South America and Canada are basically uninhabited, or they're considered to be uninhabitable because we're kind of lazy with getting water or other uh, utilities, or they're protected. You know, we have protected lands, and that's great. But you know, maybe there maybe there is allowed some small scale usage of some of that stuff in little pockets and around the perimeters and stuff. So that everybody lives around like a big park, if you will. But I, I think that if you get the economics right, the population will steady itself, and, and you'll end up with. Um, Well, if everybody's doing well, they're not going to have 50 kids, most likely. They're not. So that's, that just doesn't seem to be what the numbers say about when, when countries industrialize and get wealthier, they have less, less children. And children are great, but you don't want to, obviously, you don't want to chew everything up to the point where you've got 50, million, 50 billion people crawling around Earth, where you, nobody can ever get two, two, two thoughts in without five people in their grill. Getting, getting another coffee, so bear with me. So, um, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. I wanted to share that, that uh, do it today, do it now. Don't, don't wait because tomorrow's not guaranteed. So whatever you're trying to do, get it down. Get it on paper. Get it on tape. Get it on film. You know, make the art. Uh, make the company. Make the business. Do what you're trying to do. Speak what you're born here to speak. Do what you need to do. Don't wait. Number two, keep digging. Keep learning. As a result of my efforts to try and work on the book last night, Humanomics, I stumbled on information while trying to understand labor uh, or lumber uh, prices and supplies and capacity, improving reserves, if you will. And I stumbled on a uh, stock trading program called uh, Swing Trade Bot that was made by a guy named uh, uh, Michael Sinadza, and um, trying to reach out to him because I was super impressed with not only his his program but also his resume was posted and it was impressive like this guy had just had just jumped through all kinds of technological hoops over the years thank you and uh, had contributed uh, he just had built many companies and many technologies 
and I was like, wow, let, let, not only did I get a little information about lumber, which would then significantly spiked and told me a story about possibly constrained capacity and just-in-time capacity across all of our industries and sectors, which is something to really understand as we move into the, to the humanomics model, got to understand what the way, what, what's going on now. And what's going on now is you're pretty maxed out and it's, it's definitely all been, uh, you know, it's all, it has owners. <laughs> it has owners that may, that have vested interest that may or may not want to dramatically increase supply. They may like the upward price pressure by having things right on the edge of, uh, you know, maxed out. Everything's running full blast. Every refinery, every lumber mill, every steel plant, every mining organization, every railroad, everything's right dialed down to where it's just totally maxed out and that allows for maximum price uh, capture in the marketplace and that's good for the owners but it's not good for humanity because it doesn't have a mechanism to put downward pressure on prices to match where wages are which is why it matters and it, it, it just uh, increases the difficulty for the 98 percent and it, thus increasing friction, societal frictions and tensions, which often manifest as racial or uh, cultural or religious and all kinds of stuff, all kinds of crazy behavior. So it is important. It's important that we get it right. And it's important to understand why, what the, what, how to change it, what's, what's at stake, what, who, who to resist, how to do it. You can formulate how to do it. So I wanted to share that. Um, also wanted to reach out to him because it also uncovered another thing, which is trying to cut through the noise of life and provide uh, better educational alternatives, which I told you at the beginning I've loosely termed relevant education. Um, I've asked that he, that he come and do an episode of the podcast so that we can understand tech from his perspective, a seasoned vet, a pro, somebody who's been in the game for 20, 30 years, um, and let him explain, you know, what, what does the landscape look like to you? What would you say to young folks getting in? What would you say to folks learning? How would you go about doing it uh, if you were going to do it all over again? Um, what would you stay away from? What were the pitfalls? What uh, should we be aware of? Um, how did you put together the stockpot? What did you do? Aggregate information from places and present it? You know, how did you do it? Can you shine a little light on that? You know, that sort of thing. So we got that out of it. And then... Um, Yeah, that's, I guess that's where we're going to stop for now. I, I do want to share another thing briefly, and I'll get into it in more detail. But yesterday, I think I told you I did subscribe to PBS documentaries. I've had a little extra bandwidth lately. That's why I want to fight for bandwidth for us all. You will like it. <laughs> had some extra bandwidth this summer. So PBS documentaries uh, I subscribed to on uh, Prime. And been through a couple but a new one that I found was the Ken Burns Vietnam uh, documentary and I'm just getting into it but it is a fascinating story and uh, long story short thus far Vietnam is not an easily explainable thing and with looking at, uh, in hindsight and our 2020 you know using 2020's perspective just wasn't I used to say it was a cold war containment period end of discussion but it's, it's much more complicated than that. Because to understand that, you got to understand it wasn't just, oh, we are capitalists and therefore we are automatically opposed to communism and the threat of communism. No, you got to understand, like when, when 
areas of the world became in play because there were forces amassing and organizing and, and creating violence. It, 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 it looks like the trend is going against our interests. Then you have to decide if you want to engage that to stop that or not, especially if you feel like by extension, once it takes over one area, it can potentially take over another area. It's kind of like a cancer growing. So uh, there's that angle, and then there's always an economic angle, and then there's a uh, there's a whole angle with Ho Chi Minh that's fascinating. He was reaching out to the Americans because he viewed us as anti-colonial by our nature, and surely we would help understand their move for independence, which I, when I first saw that, I was like, wow, we dropped the ball there. And I guess some of his letters never even made it to Truman, who was in the White House when all this started, because it started in the 50s. It started in the 40s, really. And so we think of Vietnam as like the late 60s. No, this was going on for a long time. So. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to get off track with that now. And the point is, is just keep learning. Keep digging. Because you don't know. You just think you know. You don't know shit. I've been trying to learn, and I, so I still don't know shit. So keep digging. You can get to the event horizon of things. Meaning, you, you can get to the edge of things. You don't have to say, I'm a this or I'm a that. Be all of it. It's what people used to do in the human race. All the great innovators and thinkers were, I forget the word, but they were in all the fields of science and math and history, they weren't just one thing. It, society didn't say, oh, you're an engineer. You can only talk about engineering shit. No. I think we can all be engineers to a degree. We can all understand about the rigorous side of it to know what it is. I don't even necessarily think we need to do half of that. You may. But to say because you can't do calculus and differential equations, you can't be an engineer is nonsense. And I aim to prove that. And I think it's bad for us. I think we need to challenge that assumption. All right, be good out there. Please support it. Please give me feedback. Please support it if you can on Patreon for now. I'm going to have a different subscription model spun up here soon. I'm just, it's hard, guys. I don't know how to do any of it. I'm having to learn all of it on the fly against the backdrop of being basically completely broke now and, and, and needing to either get a job or get you guys to support this quickly. So there's only models that I've got that are uh, a benefactor somewhere, which you know we may try to pursue that too. Uh, that's a lot of a lot of art commission has been commissioned that way over the years. So why why would this be any different? But anyway, it's not easy. So please support it, and at the very least, if I got something wrong or you take issue with something, please chime in. It takes two seconds. You're not going to be embarrassed. You can use alias if you want. And some of you all, I've been trying to schedule on the podcast. Don't be shy. Come on, let's talk about it, y'all. Be good. All right, bye.